what I love about that interview is the denial in their age. Uh, some of our elders still live in denial, just how old they are. Do you know how old these people are? <laughs> Don't worry, I'm there as well. I live in total denial of how old I am. And so, uh, uh, young people, you've got something to look forward to. But uh, uh, a lot of respect for uh, the elders here. Hey, Happy New Year. This is my first Sunday back since uh, returning from holidays. Ben's been away for a couple of weeks. Some of the staff have been in and out a little bit. Thank you so much for allowing us to go on break and refresh, ready for the year ahead. And thank you, by the way, for those who participated, spoke from uh, the stage here in this last month. You carried that, starting from Renee right through to Sam T last week. And uh, thank you so much for those. I was certainly blessed. I'm still catching up on a little bit of that. But uh, it's often at this time of year uh, when school goes back um, and many of us are returning from holidays. I realize some are probably starting holidays uh, shortly. That we talk about the church. We talk about Big C Church, not just Door of Hope Christian Church, but the church that Door of Hope is a part of. The church that Jesus is leading and building, and to think about our role in, in, in it. And so we believe that it's the hope of the world through Jesus, the church is, and that the church is uh, God's instrument to bring about hope, life, love, and freedom to this fragile and uncertain world. In this last nine or ten months or so, um, one of the questions that our society has been asking is, what is essential? Remember when we went into lockdown in our state and across our nation and now across the world, of course, what is essential in terms of business and activities within society? Uh, are schools essential? Are the workplaces essential? Supermarkets essential. Bottle shops are apparently essential. Paris, by the way, I don't know if you've heard, I read this in my research, in Paris, everything was in lockdown. In the main street shopping area of Paris, the number one, only the one shop that was left open in Paris was chocolate shops. A chocolate shop. How about that? Because chocolate is apparently essential. Very good. Greece, Greece, you go to Greece, you cannot leave your home without SMSing the government that you're about to step out your front door. We're talking about what is essential, what has become essential when we talked about going to lockdown. And of course, mental health, um, substance, sorry, uh, yeah, substance abuse all went on the rise, um, spousal abuse. Uh, child abuse went on the rise, and the World Health Organization have certainly come out, by the way, and have admitted that lockdowns, lockdowns are detrimental to the mental health of a society. In fact, it's estimated that 130 million people could starve to death because of lockdowns. You've got to remember, we've got it pretty good here. We've got it pretty easy here. But so many cultures, so many cultures at the poverty level who don't have the ability to stay home, who have to go out and collect their income in some way or another, um, will die. Now, back to the question, who and what is essential? The short answer is this, is that you you are essential to God individually and to this world in which we live. You see, the church is essential. The gospel is essential. 
Salvation is essential. And we're starting to get a little bit excited about the vaccine, aren't we? The vaccine is, well, it'll eventually come when it's right, and we trust the government uh, who are in place to make that come about. Now, most vaccines, from what I understand, 30 to 40% are effective. Um, but the COVID vaccine, we're told it's going to be 90 to 95, or maybe 30 to 40, maybe 70% sometimes, but 90 to 95% effective. Now, as deadly as COVID is, we also have a 99.98% chance of surviving it if we get the virus. Now, there is a virus far worse than COVID-19. You need to hear that tonight. We're in the church because that's what makes the church essential. And it's called sin. It's 100% fatal unless there's a change in a person's life. It, in fact, kills everyone who does not deal with it at the cross. There's a vaccine for it. And by the way, it's not 95% effective. It is 100% effective. And it's this. It's the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses us from all sin. Do I hear an amen in the house tonight from somebody? So why do we have to gather? Why is it essential that we gather? Can, can, can I just be a Christian without going to a church gathering? Well, to ask that question, it can be a little bit like, can I be a football player or a cricket player without a team? Can I be a bee without a hive? You get the idea? Can I be a drummer without a band? I love a bit of a drum solo, Ollie, come on. But can I be a Christian without getting together with other Christians? The first thing I would say to you, if you were to say something like that to me, I would say this. Firstly, why would you ever think that you want to do that? There's a couple of reasons it's essential that we gather together in such a way like this. First of all, I believe it fuels our faith, bottom line. It fuels our faith, and faith rarely grows in isolation. It also enables service. It enables me to serve you, you to serve us. It enhances, in fact, our humanity. Not only that, but it provides accountability. We can so easily go off and do my own thing. A little bit of homework for you tonight is Proverbs 18, verse 1. Proverbs 18, verse 1. It is dangerous to be on your own. So make it a priority this year to attend a regular gathering like this. And it's not just about you and Jesus. It's a fallacy. I want you to know that. You know, the world in which we live, everything is about me, myself, and I, my personal Facebook, my personal Instagram, my personal feed, I curate what I want, when I want to see it. That's what we're used to. It's all about me. But in the church, it's not about you and Jesus. Yes, you would probably hear people sometimes saying that I have my own personal relationship with Jesus. Now, what that person is in fact trying to say is that um, I, I have my private relationship with Jesus. Um, no, you don't. No, you don't. It's not about Jesus 
and you. It's about Jesus and us. It's about Jesus and us. Jesus was creating a new community. It's done collectively. How did Jesus teach his disciples to pray? My Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. No, he didn't. He said, ow, ow. It's collective. It's together. What we say here at Dorifo, it's together in community, which I'll get to in just a moment. But we are the people of God. And because of that, we have this uh, gigantic opportunity to be God's representatives in the world. You see, the mission for us isn't just to get to heaven, but it's to be the light of the world. It's the potential and it's the power of the people of God for the greater good of the world in which we live. And this city is counting on us to show God's goodness, his greatness, his mercy, and his power. And here at Door of Hope, here at Door of Hope, we're creating a community and building culture. So just for a moment about Door of Hope, I want you to know if you're new to us here, that um, to explain what I mean by that is that uh, your family has a certain culture about it. You know, sometimes when you go to somebody else's place and they do things a little bit differently to the way you do them at your Place. It's a culture of sorts from one family to another. Your school has a culture. Your workplace has a certain culture about it. Even from country to countries, there are different... I love the Aussie culture here. The Aussie culture, we have different cultures. It's kind of like that internal brand, if I could say. And so it's how we talk, it's how we act, it's how we behave. And churches, yes, churches have culture. And here at Door of Hope, I want you to know that we're creating community and we're building culture. But here's where it gets a little tricky. You see, we're coming from all different kinds of communities and culture, but we have this opportunity to form a common culture together. And so when people think of Door of Hope Christian Church, they kind of say, well, I get it. I get what they're trying to do, what they're trying to build and become. Uh, we understand the culture of Door of Hope Christian Church. And so if you're new, check this out. If you've been here for quite some time, help me out with this if you could. Because if I were to say that our mission here at Door of Hope Christian Church is to become increasingly Jesus-centered, Others focused and together in community. As we go about those three things, Jesus, others, together, we believe we'll achieve our vision of being, help me out here, of a door of hope through Jesus Christ in a fragile and uncertain world. Three goals that help us achieve this, and that's to grow Him, H-I-M, in our city, to grow hope invitations and mercy. And we've been working on those three goals for four or so years now. Our six key values, here they are up on the screen. The next slide, please. Powerful prayer, passionate pursuit of lost people, a positive caring community, purposeful living, living, profitable stewardship, and persistent personal growth. And these values, these values right here, right now, are what create Culture. They determine our behavior and they're non-negotiable. Now, 
with all that said and done, is that okay? Are we clear with who we are and what we're trying, what God's called us to be as a door of hope? Is that okay? Because I want to introduce you to a movie that was made in 2006. It was entitled, We Are Marshall. I don't know if you've seen that movie. I can't, I can't, don't, please don't do that yet. Um, I can't remember actually seeing this movie. We may have seen this movie. It stars Matthew McConaughey. I don't, can't see why we couldn't have seen that movie. But uh, anyway, that's another personal uh, story. I'm probably giving you a bit of an insight there. But uh, I've never forgotten the trailer. I've never forgotten the trailer. You know, sometimes you see those trailers of movies and have that impact on you. Well, this movie uh, is set in 1970 when a plane goes down and crashes. The entire Marshall University football team died on that day. Now, it's along with its coaching staff and support crew. Um, the program was going to be shut down, but many wanted this program to live on. And so they employed a uh, new coach, and there's that line in the movie, from what I understand, that he says that we're going to rise from the ashes... And at the end of this trailer, the people are just coming from every direction to form a massive gathering outside of where discussions are being had about their future, yelling at the top of their lungs, we are Marshall, we are Marshall. Do you want to have a look at the clip? No. Yeah? Check this out. Going to go and watch that movie tonight? <laughs> Maybe not, but uh, I can't help, I can't help but think by the end of this message tonight that we can all say together, we are something. We are something. We are something. We are something unique in the world in which we live. The closer that we are to saying the same thing, I believe the more impact that we're going to have as we move into the world together for the greater good of the city of the and, and the world in which we live. And so tonight, I'd like to offer this, that we are the light of the world. Might work over here. <laughs> that we are the light of the world. All right. That those who look on we'll get a sense that these people are tuned together to the same things. And one of those things is that they actually believe that we are the light of the world. Now, if that's true, what Jesus said, then that means the potential and the power that we hold for the greater good of the world in which we live is absolutely extraordinary. You see, Jesus did not say, we are the light in the world. You see, that's a whole other light. He said, you are the light of the world, for the world. He was assuming a, a, a world of people who were tuned out spiritually to the great plan that he had for their lives. And he was assuming that we would tune in to that plan, to be the illuminators. Uh, can I press pause there for a moment? I was, I was going through my message this week uh, with my assistant, Amanda, and uh, I was saying, is that such a word? 
This word illuminate. So let's just go with that from now on. Is that right? Let's just go with that. Illuminators, just don't Google it because um, it might not be there. <laughs> that we are the illuminators of his great plan for the world and that they would see his life and his life because of you. Guess what? Your calling is to be the light of the world. Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 to 16. Thank you so much, Ebony, for beautifully bringing that to us tonight. Let me just take it apart just for a moment if we could. It's up on the screen. You are the light of the world. This is Jesus. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. They say that he was teaching this with the context of the Sea of Galilee. Anyone kind of been there? From the Sea of Galilee in mind, and that that up in these hills are these cities that are very bright and very obvious at night, and he's pointing and saying, you're like that. That's you. You're bright. And everybody can see you because of the brightness of your life. Verse 15. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and, give, and it gives light to everyone in the house. That's the greater good of the world. Verse 16. In the same way, let your light shine before who? Before others that they may see your good deeds and then glorify your Father in heaven. What's this saying? Humanity is waiting. Humanity is waiting on us. God is counting on us to shine our lights. You see, we don't just shine our lights here of a Sunday. We don't just shine our lights of a connect group during the week, whatever that might be. I mean, go for it. We don't just shine our lights when it's easy. It wasn't meant to be lived out in ease, pleasure, or comfort. It wasn't meant to be something that we kind of tuck in our back pocket and keep on ready for when we need it. It's for those who say that I believe in Jesus, that I've experienced the resurrection and power of the Holy Spirit, that I might not be the loudest. I get that. But I will be bold, I'll be unashamed, and I will proclaim that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Guess what? We, you, me, us, we are the light of the world. You see, one of the, I think, clearest evidence of spiritual maturity is when you stand alone against the tide because you know it's the right thing to do, in spite of the cost. Somebody, I believe, needed to hear that tonight. If that's you, come and see me afterwards, and I just want to encourage you in that. Hey, um, as a result of that, as a result of that, if that becomes a part of our culture, a part of our culture, that truly we are the light of the world, Scripture teaches us that no eye has seen no ear has heard what God has in store for those who love him because you were the light of their world. It had nothing to do with me. It had nothing to do with our elders. It had nothing to do with our staff and our team who lead us. It was you being the light of the world. And that is God's plan. And guess what? It's an unstoppable plan. It doesn't require a building. 
It doesn't require a budget. It doesn't require an organization or a program. It is unstoppable. And so our clear calling is to know who we are, and that is we are, Jesus said himself, we are the light of the world. Okay, well, what does that require? Thank you, because here's the heart of it. It requires that we go into places where light must shine and into situations that need light. And what I love about our eldership, um, it's, it's, some of you have no idea what goes on in the back, background in, behind the scenes of a church, a large growing church. Um, there's a lot of stuff spiritually that's going on in people's lives and conflict and you know, unusual theology and philosophy and understanding and, and, and um, you know, we go into those places and space and I'm so thankful that I'm not the only one who do and the elders put their hands up and they go on behalf of the staff to release us to keep doing what we're called to do and how do I get onto that? We're called to be in the world and not of the world. And into situations that need light. That's where I was going. Yeah. And so, uh, as disciples of Jesus, the, the filter that form our decisions are very different from this world. You see, our filter should not be the same as the world. You see, what I mean by that, by the way, not rebelling, not rebelling. I'm talking about faith. We walk by faith, not by sight, not by fear. We are sacrificial, not selfish. Romans 12, Paul wrote to the early church, he said this, do not, everyone say not, do not, do not conform to the pattern of this world. Press pause. The pattern of this world is the way that every human being lives by default. How do we live by default? Selfish, in fear, in fact, in the book of John, you read the book of John, John describes it as the desires of the flesh in pursuit of happiness and meaning. And Paul goes on, he talked about being transformed, and it's to do with the mind, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve, and this is God's will for your life, that it is good. God's not against you. He's for you. It's good. What is it? It's good. It is what? It is pleasing. Not only that, what is it? It's absolutely perfect. But we have a job to do. Why? Because we are, we are the light of the world. Is it working? We are the light of the world. I don't know when I was going to use that. I just decided to use that. Anyway. Um, but it's hard to be the light of the world if you are not in darkness. We're excited to be in the world. I'm not, we're in the world, but we're not of the world. I'm not looking for more light. Here's why. I am the light. You are. We are. I'm not looking for any more light. Let me explain this from a personal story. I know time's going to go way out here, and please forgive me. And it goes like this. This is my mate. Remember? We had his funeral on Wednesday. This is in, this, oh, by the way, young people, this is an examiner, yeah? This is a, a, news, a, a newspaper. I get it delivered, believe it or not, to my home every day, and I still love to sit down and just ask my wife, but anyway, it's another story. But this is my mate. We went to his funeral on Wednesday, age 42, passed away. He was a part of Door of Hope for a couple of years in early 2000s, at a guess. And that's, 
that's it there. And in the last eight or nine months, um, he, his health went downhill so quick. And he was in and out of hospital and lost movement of his arms and whole, whole body. Um, and he went to intensive care a number of times. And uh, the last place he wanted to be was in intensive care. Now, I will say this. Just that aside, just for a moment. I want to come back to my mate. I'll say this. Because some people do life and think there's so much darkness. So much darkness in my life. I've got nothing to give. I liken that to that of intensive care. Intensive care. I don't know if you've ever been into intensive care unit. Some of you work there. I know Christy certainly has as a nurse over years and whatever. And some of you, you know, you've been there. I've been there a number of times. I prayed for somebody who came with their motorbike a number of years ago. Nearly lost him. Came back to life. I prayed for him. I'm not. I'm not giving glory to that prayer at all. But maybe let's let's get done. Anyway, um, and um, there are a number of times I've been into the intensive care unit. And to tell you the truth, you do not want to stay there that long. You are helpless and hopeless to, to a certain extent, you are. And in our lives to be the light of the world, you, you do not want to stay in darkness for that long. You've got to get out of that. Yes, we will send you on a course or uh, be a part of Connect Group or whatever to get you up out of that darkness. You're not called to stay in, in intensive care. And my mate, he did not want to stay in intensive care. He wanted to get out of there in the fresh air and just let his light shine. Where was I? <clears throat> I am in the world, but not of the world, of course. And we don't take our cues from the world, but we're also not above the world. You see, sometimes the church has this tendency to get above the world, where we're looking down on everybody. It seems to be that it's us and it's them. I hate that, if I was to be really honest. That we have it all figured out. That we're holier and we are better than those terrible people who don't go to church. That is not our calling and mission to be above the world, but to be in the world. I've got another one. Can I do another one? It's also not our calling to be below the world either. Because we sometimes have that feeling that there's, well, there's a real world out there and there's this Christian subculture and we're never as good as anybody else and we get this idea that the world is real and we are not and that's not the culture in what we're trying to build here at Door of Hope. So we're not above the world, we're not below the world, we are in the world. Another one? Can I give you another one? We're also not afraid of the world. We're not afraid of the world. In other words, we're not to run away from the big stuff that's out there. It's a little dangerous out there. Be safe. Be safe and secure from the big, bad, dark world that we're meant to be the light of. Another one. We're not against the world. We're not against the world. Ephesians 6 verse 12 says, For our struggle is not, everyone say not, not. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers. It's against the authorities. Where is it? Who's it against? It's against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We're not, everyone say not, we're not in warfare with people. We're supposed to live our lives before all people. Can I disagree with values? You go for it. Absolutely. Can I stand up for truth? Yes, with grace. 
by the way. Do I want to hold on to an absolute standard? Yes. But don't forget, our mandate is to what? To be the light of the world and to have confidence to be in the world. And we fight the darkness only with prayer, powerful prayer and praise and the word of God and worship. And we are not going to be at war with people because our struggle is what Paul teaches us in Ephesians 6. It's not against flesh and blood. It's against spiritual forces and powers and darkness. Can the band, the team, please come? Where do we get this idea from? Should I say it another way? Who do we get this idea from the being in the world, but not of the world, not being afraid of the world, not being above the world, not below the world, not at war with the world? Where do we see this most? Sorry, who do we see this in the most? Jesus Christ. He's calling us to what he modeled for us. He left the splendor of unimaginable beauty of heaven and came in flesh and blood as he left heaven and lived and walked among us, born amongst animals, the smells from heaven to that of manure. And he had to be rushed away quickly because they were after him. One of his first associates that he chose was a crook, a tax collector. He would hang around with prostitutes. He touched the untouchable. He went straight to the lame. He would heal the blind. He would have dinner with the rich. He would give dignity to the poor and spoke up for them. He took on sin and shame of humanity and crucified him on a garbage dump hanging between two thieves and he says to us you are the light of the world born smelling manure dying smelling rubbish you know what he says he says that I'm not against I am not against this world in fact I'm up here dying for this world. I'm not against the guy who just pierced me with that spear. I'm not against the guy who just tore that robe up in pieces that was on me. I'm not against the guy who's cursing me. I'm not against the guy who just drove the nails in my hands because I've already said, Father, please forgive them for they know not what they are doing. I'm not at war with anybody, but I am at war with hell. And that's what I am going to fight. And that's what I'm going to live for, that you don't have to go there, that you don't have to experience it that you can have a taste and a touch of heaven, not just an eternity, but here on earth. And he says, yes, to be in the world, absolutely. But not of the world. Why? For we are the light. We are the light of the world. But here's the challenge, and I get it, I get it. The challenge is this, to be immersed in the world, but to stay in love with the Christ of the cross, And we want to meet that challenge. How? 
lights on. If you can, if you've got them. We are the church. We are in the spirit of we are Marshall. We are the church. House lights down, please. House lights down, please. If you can, I know that we don't have a full team there tonight, so they're doing as best as they can. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. We are, can we please stand to our feet? Is that okay? We're going to stand and sing a couple of songs as we go into our week. We might just sing two songs, if that's okay. The first slow song, whatever that was going to be, and then the fast song that we started with tonight. Is that okay? Then Oliver will come up and close the song. That first song we sang tonight fits brilliantly with this message tonight. Say it with me. Yeah, get this guy masks ready but we are the church say it with me we are the church come on church we are are the church church. we We are the church we are the church and guess what we're also the light of the world say it with me we are the light of the world we are the light of the world we are the light of the world all glory to god's name as we sing tonight in jesus name all god's people said Amen. amen and amen